0: Hey guys, it's time for Nina's Got Good News. Nina's a former TV news gal who used to share all the news. Now, as a mom and small businesswoman, she wants to share only the good stuff. It's time to brighten your day. So here's your host, Nina B. Clark.
1: Hi everyone, I am Nina Clark, your host of Nina's Got Good News. We are back for another episode. You guys are so awesome for coming back and supporting this podcast. This is a movement to share good news and we are doing it together. We are growing every single week with a new episode on iTunes and now also on Spotify. We're so excited about that. Now today... We are continuing our special two-part series with an incredible author and psychologist from Philadelphia. He's written a new book. I hope you guys are all enjoying the book with me called How to Raise a Boy, The Power of Connection to Build Good Men. So joining us again from Philadelphia is Dr. Michael Reichart, and we pick up our conversation with my producer, Dan Ball, who is a college student here at Quinnipiac University. Here we go. I think we all just want you to move in with us and help help us raise our boys. <laughs> Easier said than Yeah, than I, know, I know, right? Too bad you live in yeah. Philadelphia. Well, my fabulous producer Dan Ball is a college student here at Quinnipiac University, and um, he's a boy. Yes, and um, and so- I'd also
0: like to double down on that moving in thing at least a <laughs> at least a residency during the week. I think your
1: up. your mom would like that, Dan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Dan also is here with me, and he has a question for you too, Michael.
0: So uh, yeah, Michael, I'm curious from a, a college student perspective. So a lot of times kids are going off to college, and they're they're moving away from their parents for the first time in their life, and that's a that's a scary situation and could probably lead to some students kind of reverting back to some of these, some of these bad tendencies. So are, are there any ways that college students, any practices that we can have to kind of maintain this social and emotional intelligence that you're talking about?
2: Yeah, Dan, great question. Um, you know, in a certain sense, uh, there's, there's several themes that, that, uh, kick in right at that, that, that 18. Twenty-year-old uh, point in a in a in a in a boy's life. Um, one of the themes is independence, right? Uh, separation and going off on your own. And ideally, what we would uh, uh, hope for is that a young man at that age uh, has is able to take with him. First off, is 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 his ally is whether it's a parent or a coach or a friend or a mentor. He's able to take his ally with him in his hip pocket, and he's able to, to turn to that person uh, uh, when he needs to, um, whether it's just for a check-in or a chance to sort of download or just a chance to kind of uh, uh, reinforce that that person knows who he really is and cares about him. Um because what we want for that young man, as he navigates his life in these new circumstances where there are tremendous peer pressures and cultural pressures, not to mention you know, uh, career pressures, uh, achievement pressures, what we want for that young man is that he is uh, what I call accountable to somebody. There's some anchor, uh, a conscience, if you will, Holding that young man to a sense of who he really is. Um, you know, as I said, developmentally, ideally at 18 years old, we all have, a, a, you know, a, a good sense of what's right and what's wrong. And we're able to stay on the path of doing what's right because that's who we think we are. Unfortunately, we tend not to be so fully developed at 18, 20 years old. Even wonder if where that fully developed at my age, but but in any event, um, it you know it helps a lot that we carry in our heads and our hearts uh, some sense of somebody who knows the person we are and to whom we feel accountable. Um, that would be that's that's the first thing I would say. Um, the second thing I would say is we have to acknowledge that uh, brotherhood uh, kicks in in a major way, at the point where boys leave their families. And, you know, the research tells us that, on the one hand, boys' friendships with other young men are really, really important. Um, there's a way that you can ideally be yourself and be known by somebody and, and really uh, uh, tell somebody, uh, you know, what's really going on with you. One researcher, a friend of mine, psychologist up at NYU, uh, did a study, long-term studies, of boys' friendships with other boys, and she had boys tell her that they would die without their friends. They would go crazy without their friends. Their, Their male friends were so important to them. But she also found that as young men got older, later adolescence, the pressures on boys to to pull away from intimate connections with other boys in favor of heterosexually oriented uh, intimacy, you know, grew. And, and many young men lost their ability to remain as close to their friends as they had been. Um, you know, homophobia, uh, uh, I think, is, is still a, an active force in a young man's life. Dan, as you know, and, uh, I'm hoping it's, it's diminishing some, some of the research is suggesting that we're entering a time in which guys, uh, are less afraid of, of those pressures, um, you know, being called gay. Um, but on the other hand, there's, there's conflicting research that suggests that even in this, even in this period where, uh, uh, you know, gay liberation, um, uh, young men who are heterosexually oriented feel even more pressure to to uh, prove that. And one of the ways that happens is by pulling away from close connections to other guys. But in any event, uh, you know, it's still uh, whichever is going on, for that young man um, being included in the fraternity, of uh, brotherhood, is is one way that we establish uh, connections for ourselves. It's nice to be included. It's nice to be invited to the to the parties or to the hangout times or included in the ultimate frisbee teams or whatever it might be. And uh, uh, the problem that a young man encounters at that at that age, I think, is that uh, often in those brotherhood groups, the norms can revert. To more hyper masculine exaggerated masculine uh, uh, pressures and it's in those in those um, all-male spaces whether it's college fraternities or parties or whatnot, athletic teams that that some guys get pulled away from their core values and drawn into uh, some of the hyper masculine, values that include misogyny and recklessness and proving that you know what kind of men they are by drinking too much alcohol or acting crazy. So what I would say, what I would say in a, in a nutshell is the the antidote to that or the the counterweight to that is to stay close to somebody who knows and loves you and to whom you feel accountable.
0: You know, it's, it's interesting that you talk about the heterosexual relationships because, you know, uh, kind of drawing off of some of my experiences in college, as I've gotten older and, and gained more maturity, I have started to develop some very, some very strong friendships with young women around me. So I kind of wanted to ask you about that, the importance that you feel in being able to have those friendships with, with women if you're a young man and, and how important that is for development.
2: Uh, yeah, well, you know, I think that that um, again, under ideal circumstances, a boy would get to know uh, uh, girls uh, uh, in in casual and uh, uh, intimate ways, um, you know, from from early on in his life. Unfortunately, what happens uh, uh, in a kind of a co-ed world, is that boys and girls are together but separate, and that separating out of boys and girls happens profoundly, uh, so that we wind up, you know, thinking that men are from Mars and women are from Venus.
0: Yeah, um, that sounds about right.
2: You know, and and uh, you know, and then boys and girls try to come together again uh, and 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 be intimate and sexual. You know, beginning around age 14, 16, 18, whatever it might be. And, and the, the pressure that, that operates at those times is really profound, um, you know, to know each other and to establish a real connection that's based upon um, respect and uh, a willingness to um, take each other as we are, you know, full flesh and blood human beings and not just stereotypes. And unfortunately, you know, you're 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 uh, of age coming of you have come of age in a hookup culture. Not that, not that, you know, uh, Mina and, and I didn't grow up where there was lots of, you know, casual uh, uh, pressure for casual sex as well. But it's even, I think, more true now in this, in this Internet age, that uh, uh, relationships are, are dominated in some ways um, by this, uh, this desire to enact, uh, almost a stereotypic masculinity, femininity, and uh, one of the things that, that researchers who are, are studying the hookup culture are finding is, for example, there's lots of pressure on both young men and women not to quote catch feelings, but but uh, you know, and and yet researchers are finding that guys your age, Dan. Um, uh, after a casual uh, hookup, 60% say they have regret that it wasn't more meaningful, that it didn't lead to some uh, more uh, romantic opportunity to have a relationship. 60% of guys say that, 72% of girls say that, and and yet they're they're up against these cultural norms mm-hmm. that are almost militating against that. You know, stereotypes are being played out in these in these ways. So, what I would say to you is, um, you know what's really satisfying, what's really uh, uplifting, um, what fulfills your desire uh, to uh, to find yourself, you know, in a connected uh, relationship with somebody is first knowing them. And then, I think uh, uh, you know all the different forms of intimacy. Can, can uh, expand on that, or nurture that, or, or or deepen it.
1: Michael, what's what's the impact of the Me Too movement having on how we're raising our boys right now?
2: Well, I I really think that Me Too uh, is a is one expression of the broader movement toward gender equality. And as I said, I think the movement toward gender equality, the achievement of equality. Uh, in, in working life, and educational context, and athletic programs, I think that has disrupted uh, traditional masculinity in ways that opens up possibilities for raising boys. I think it's, it's that progress toward equality that allows us to, to ask questions about the kind of taken-for-granted assumptions we've made for generations about uh, uh, men and boys. I think it's all good.
1: So it's positive. Okay, I like that. Now this is something that parents everywhere are struggling with. and Dan is Dan is Dan and I talk about this all the time, it's just <laughs> technology, being on our devices, playing video games, especially Fortnite. Everyone's addicted to Fortnite. It's such a challenge for all parents. So what are your thoughts on the pressures that boys are, are under right now with all this technology? What are your thoughts on that? It's such a struggle.
2: Yeah, well, you know, we have to acknowledge, Nina, that, that uh, as parents and grandparents, um, we come at this topic uh, uh, fraught with with um, worry and uh, that, that underlying sense, you know, that, that uh, uh, we're, it, it's out of our control and, and consequently our anxiety goes up. We're not the first generation of parents Uh, to worry about the technologies that are seducing our son. So there's a lot, there's a lot of very, very strong feelings on the part of adults about this topic of boys uh, on the Internet, whether it's texting or video games or pornography or, you know, whatever it might be, social media. And my answer is, in general, uh, uh, disconnection. Precede uh, a boy who comes adrift and gets lost. And if we want to take out an insurance policy to make sure our sons navigate uh, the digital uh, uh, cyberspace uh, uh, safely, the insurance policy we need to take out is to is to is to hold them close to us so that they can hold on to themselves. The boy who gets lost is a boy who's disconnected. Um, that's the first thing I would
1: say. Do you th- do you well, think it's good to put restrictions on how much screen time we're having with the kids, or what?
2: Yeah, sometimes, Nina. It depends on the boy, and it depends on what we're seeing. Yeah. You know, we we can step in and we can exercise parental control where we see the boy needs that kind of scaffolding. If the boy is not able to make to exercise sufficient judgment that he gets his homework done when he's supposed to and doesn't cut corners or, you know, he spends family time or he does, other, you know, he throws the ball around in the backyard to get exercise. You no, it's the boy who's, who, who who becomes unbalanced and gets seduced by these technologies to a point that is actually undermining other areas of his life. That's the boy that's indicating that for whatever reason, his executive control system is insufficient. And he needs us to step in and, and, and buttress that for him. Our goal, again, is not to control him. It's to, it's to help him develop self-control. So we, I, I try to encourage parents to have a very explicit negotiation with their son. Okay, son, it seems as though you're spending, you know, a lot of time on your video game. And you're not spending time, you know, doing X, Y, and Z. And it seems like those other things are just as important, or more important. How about if we agree that you'll allocate your time more more equally, and if you want, I'll help you until you can do it on your own. That kind of thing.
1: That's so um, helpful. There's a, yeah.
2: There's a there's a lot of worry that that boys uh, can become, might become, are becoming uh, addicted to um, you know this, these. Uh, uh, Devices and and the screen time Fortnite and yeah
1: Fortnite yeah yeah
2: and, and where we see our sons um, uh, spending inordinate amounts of time to the at the expense of other things, we are seeing a boy who's gotten lost to himself. And what I say generally is, if we want our sons to hold on to themselves, we have to hold on to them ourselves. It's a it's a it's a flag waving that we need to deepen our connection with our son.
1: Yeah, I like that. That's such good advice and the balance and the negotiation. I like all of that a lot. So, what tell us? You write about the mama's boy myth in the book, and I really love this because I'm very close with Charlie, but he's he's eleven. So, you talk about the mama's boy myth that when they get older, we're supposed to push them away, and let them go off on their own, but then you actually say that we should be hanging on tighter. So talk about the mama's boy myth. I love <laughs> well, this. It's a, it's, a,
2: it's a damaging it's a damaging uh, cultural trope that affects boys for sure, uh, but also affects their parents, both parents, fathers and mothers. Um, the, the trope is that it takes a man to raise a boy, and that a real—raise a boy to manhood— and that a real man is, is like the Lone Ranger, he's independent. And so boys are feeling lots of pressure, uh, particularly from their peer group, to not uh, 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 display a dependency on their mothers, to not be too close to them, to not talk to them, to not need them, uh, You know, to be standing on their own two feet, even at age four. We, we notice boys registering those pressures. Moms, at the same time, are receiving the same messages uh, and come to doubt themselves and, and worry that they're not really what their sons need. What their sons really need is a man who can in, who can teach them the secrets of masculinity. Um, so lots of single moms, and, you know, I, I, you know there's a fair percentage of, of families now that are headed by single moms. Lots of single moms uh, get that message and doubt themselves. And behind those doubts, I think unconsciously pull away from their son because they don't want to undermine their son's masculinity. Um, The damage, can you imagine, the damage is the growing divide and that that boy that, that is cut off from his, you know, the oxygen supply of his his connection to someone that knows and loves him. And typically what happens to those boys is that they find their connections with their peer group. Um, that's where they're known, at least, you know, and, and that's where someone really cares about them, mm-hmm. I think in a way they can tell. But the problem is that the peer group norms are quite different than the norms of, a, of, a, of an adult, a, a parent. And uh, what we want is for our sons to be, as I say, morally accountable to the adult that knows who they really are and what they're aspiring to.
1: The good news is here is that I'm holding on tight to Charlie and Dan is very close with his mom. So the good news is we're uh, we're we're listening to you. We're two for two in this room. Yeah, we're good, Michael. Thank thank goodness. (laughs) But well, Michael, we just want to say thank you so much. We are obsessed with your book. Um, how can people find you? Are you going on a speaking tour? Because I feel like you need to.
2: I, you know, I, I, I am speaking here and there, and uh, uh, the easiest way to connect with me is on my website, which is michaelcreichert.com.
1: And don't forget the C, Michael C. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So and, and I you, and I know that you're coming to uh, Fairfield Country Day in the fall, so I will be looking out to meet you in person then. I can't wait. I can't wait to have you come talk to our school. So thank you again so much. And if anyone's interested in the book and everyone needs to be interested in the book, you can buy How to Raise a Boy basically wherever you buy your books. Correct, Michael? That's right. It's everywhere. We hope. (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Michael. You're really amazing. Thank you for helping all of us raise compassionate, kind, successful boys. I can't thank you enough.
2: I appreciate your kind words. And, and thank you, Nina and Dan. Thanks of course, again. Thank you.
1: Thanks again. And thank you all for listening. I'm so grateful for all of you. I knew I would never be here without all of you supporting me and inspiring me to be a kinder, better person every single day. Please stay tuned for next week's podcast. Remember, you can find me on iTunes and now on Spotify as well. Please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast as well. And please, we are asking everyone now to share this episode with a friend. If you know someone that would be interested in Michael Reichert's book, How to Raise a Boy, please share this episode with them. Sharing is caring. We teach our sons and our daughters about sharing, and now we're going to be talking about it on the podcast as well. The mission of this podcast is to get better together as a community right here in the audio space. For now, I am your host, Nina Clark. You can find me across all social media platforms as Nina B, don't forget the B, and then Clark has an E at the end please follow me on Instagram because as you guys know, Instagram is my jam. So let's connect there as well. Thank you again for listening and let's keep being awesome.